Welcome in to the Wisports.net podcast. What a great time of the year it is in high school sports is almost all of the fall sports are either in playoffs now or will be within a couple weeks. All of them will be. I'm Travis Wilson, WSN general manager, football editor for WSN for Wisports.net. And it is, again, a busy, busy time in the high school sports scene. Want to give a little heads up on something that we teased on our social media today, earlier today on Wednesday. We will be doing a giveaway of a Joe Schobert autographed mini helmet, Badger's helmet autographed by Joe Schobert this summer when uh, we did some work with him to promote his camp, his football camp in Waukesha, went down there and uh, was a great day. We've got one to give away, a Joe Schobert autographed mini helmet to give away will tell you how you can enter for a chance to win that Joe Schobert autographed mini helmet a little bit later in today's podcast. So make sure you stay tuned. We'll, we'll get to it. Don't worry. Pretty easy. Not anything fancy you have to do. Trust me. We're not going to ask for your firstborn. We're not going to ask for your name and address and phone number so that we can spam you or anything like that. It's going to be very easy and a uh, chance for folks to win. The last time we did this, we did a giveaway of a Joe Schobert helmet on uh, social media, not on our podcast. We just did it through social media. There was a lot of interest. I think we got over 1,200 entries. So we'll see how this one goes. And just a little heads up as well, we've got a few other Joe Schobert autographed items that we'll be giving away in the next week or so as we fire up the high school football playoffs in a couple weeks. We've got an 8x10 photograph. We've got a couple cards autographed by Joe Schobert as well. So... Keep an eye out for those. We'll get those uh, all the information out on our social media channels. But it is time to get into the topics of the day, the topic du jour. And a lot of the discussion from here over the next couple weeks is, of course, going to revolve around the high school football playoffs. What's going to happen with them? Who's going to get in? How it's going to go? What the cut lines will be? All of those good things will be determined over the next couple of weeks here. It's a extremely busy time, obviously. It is a uh, our, our busiest time of the year in terms of traffic on Wisports.net is everybody comes to find out what's happening, what the scores are, where their team's at, what, uh, what the qualifiers might be that Friday night, and then the Saturday afterwards when the seedings come out are our biggest uh, two of our biggest traffic days of the entire year on WSN. So let's get into the playoffs and, and talk a little bit more, uh, which I don't think we've done yet, about the actual criteria that is used to get into the playoffs. Because again, I think most people by now understand and know that not every team makes it into the high school football playoffs in Wisconsin. It is unique in that respect. Every other sport in Wisconsin, every other team sport you're automatically in the playoffs. You might not last long. You might be done after one game. You might have to travel two hours on a Tuesday night in basketball to get beat by 40 points, but you're in. In football, that's not the case. There are 224 teams in 11-man football that will make the playoffs out of, I think, 390 that are eligible this year. So less than half, or excuse me, a little more than half will make the playoffs. You have to win your way in. It's based on how you finish in your conference. Speaking of conference, it is conference games that determine 
if you get into the playoffs and how you get into the playoffs. If you win your conference, you're guaranteed a spot. If you finish over 500 in conference play, you are guaranteed a spot. If you finish at 500 in conference, that's where in the past it has been a little bit dicey, whether you've gotten in or you've been left out. There have been times in the last decade where teams finished 500 in conference play and did not get in. However, the last four to five years now, maybe six, every team that finished at 500 in conference got into the playoffs. And of course, the last four to five years, we had to take teams that finished under 500 as well. So long story short, if you finish 500 in your conference, I can pretty much guarantee that you'll get in. Not 100% guarantee maybe 99% guarantee that you'll get in. But either way, you can book your ticket. Where it becomes interesting this year and in years past is for those teams that finish under 500. And what are the tiebreaker procedures? What are the WI procedures that determine which of those teams get in? So let's say there's 12 spots open for teams that finish under 500. The first qualifying step is the teams with the best winning percentage in conference games. And that is a new step that they added three or four years ago. Basically, it gives preference, gives an advantage to teams that are in bigger conferences. If you're in a 10-team conference and you finish four and five, you are ranked in the tiebreaker procedure in that step ahead of teams that finish three and four in conference or that finish two and three in conference. The rationale being you had to win four games to get in. The other teams only had to win two or three games to get in. So that's the uh, the first step, and that usually eliminates a few teams or, or gets a few teams in, I should say. Uh, any of the teams, again, that finish four and five, so teams in the Northeast Conference, or excuse me, not the Northeast, the North Shore Conference, the FRCC, the Big Eight uh, the Rock Valley, any of the 10-team conferences, if you finish 4-5, and five, you're going to have a pretty good shot to get into the playoffs, as we've seen the last few years. Whatever teams are left from there, they go down through the, uh, the steps to see who's going to get in. The next step, if there are more than two teams tied, are the teams are ranked in order of the combined one-loss percentage, conference games only, of conference opponents they have defeated. Essentially what that does is it gives you credit, it gives you a uh, an advantage if you beat one of the better teams in your conference. Now, when we get to this step, a lot of times it's teams that finished three and four in their conference. And the way their conference falls a lot of times is that they are three and two, they beat the team that went two and five, they beat the team that went one and six, and they beat the team that went zero oh and seven. So usually, their defeated conference opponent's win-loss record would entail three victories. Sometimes you get a team, again, if they beat one of the better teams in their conference, uh, maybe you beat a, another team that was three and four in your league. Maybe you beat one of the uh, you know teams that finished towards the top and got upset by one of the teams that, that finished below you. you know, maybe you, you get, uh, get there, and that step will get a couple of teams in usually. Oftentimes, after that step, there are still teams remaining in the pool, more teams remaining than there are spots available. So let's say there's eight teams left, six spots available. They all had that same number 
for defeated conference opponents, combined conference winning percentage. Then you go through the rest of the steps. Head-to-head pretty much never applies, especially since not all of the teams would have played all of the others. Result versus conference champion, pretty much nobody that finishes that low has beaten or would beat a conference champion. The next one is where you start to see some teams qualify based on this this step. Win-loss percentage versus the playoff field as determined by steps 1A through D. Long story short, that steps 1A through D are the teams that finish over 500. So if you beat a playoff team, whether it's conference or non-conference, that qualified and finished over 500 in conference play, then you will get an advantage in this step. And that often comes into play in non-conference games where you know, this, this team finished 3-4, and four, but in their non-conference game, they beat a, uh, a team that made the playoffs out of a different conference. This will get them in on that step. The next step, which we often have to go to, is defeated opponents, conference wins only, overall win-loss percentage. If you recall, the earlier step that we talked about was one-loss percentage, conference games only, of conference opponents they have defeated. So this one is now going to look at who you beat and what their overall win-loss record was. So if you beat teams that finish with a higher win-loss record, that will get you in. The next step is defeated opponents all wins overall win-loss percentage. If we have to go that far, that would be all of your wins. If you beat a good non-conference opponent that maybe didn't make the playoffs, this would help you out. The next step is overall win-loss percentage. It's still could come into play, even though they, uh, a few years ago, they significantly reduced the importance of overall win-loss percentage in all of these tiebreaker procedures. It's still going to come into play potentially. The next step is first half points allowed per game average through week eight of conference games only. And then the final step is a coin flip. I don't recall having to go to a coin flip in the past. Uh, It's been a while since we've had to go to even first half points allowed, um, but those do come into play sometimes. And so those are the criteria that are used, and you can find all of those. They're linked off of the playoff page on WSN. They're linked from our playoff qualifying report that we do every week. They're on the WIAA site. All of that information to determine how teams get into the playoffs, the actual criteria, all of that can be found at WSN, and we'll talk about it and review it a number of times in different formats on our site and and on social media over the coming weeks. By the way, one thing I didn't mention was independent teams. Independent teams are guaranteed a spot in the playoffs if they win six games overall. Independent teams that finish at 500 or better maybe don't get to six wins. Let's say you go five and four as an independent or four and four. They get in at the same step as those teams that finish with exactly 500 conference records. So if you finish 500 or better as an independent team, it's pretty much guaranteed that you're going to get in. And we have a couple of independent teams this year that should get in, Hurley and Northland Pines. Once the playoff field is determined, that's this is all objective criteria. There's no, you know, it, it's already preset. We know what it will be. After those are determined and split into divisions, this is where things get a little bit subjective in terms of how those divisions are broken up. Each division is broken up into four eight-team groupings. 
they call them geographical sections on the WIAA site. And priority is given to having an equal number of conference champions in each section. Now, one thing to note here, conference champions, the WIAA recognizes one from each conference. So if there's a three-way tie for conference uh, lead, the WIAA requires that every conference have their own bylaw for a tiebreaker that identifies one conference champion. And those bylaws and those what determines that in each conference can be a little bit different sometimes. So they will try to give an equal number of conference champions in each section. In addition, undefeated conference champions, and they have clarified this in recent years, that it means undefeated in conference, will be identified in an attempt to equitably divide them throughout the geographical, geographical grouping shall be made. Now, this is where the subjectivity comes in a little bit, and you'll notice they use words like attempt and priority. They're not hard and fast criteria because ultimately they still are geographical sections. And so sometimes the geography works well to have a equal, exactly equal number of conference champions and undefeated conference champions in each section. Sometimes it doesn't. And so what happens if you have four champions in a northern grouping, you only have one in a southern grouping? What does that mean? And that's where it's subjective. Do you, do you try to balance it out, but how much does the geography and the travel then come into play? Um, you know, it kind of, it's a balancing act for the WIAA. It's an inexact science. They do their best to divide them up equally. Um, one thing they do not do, they don't look at the rankings. They don't look at power rankings or coaches poll or who's the best team or anything like that. They're not trying to divide up all, you know, the, first, the, the top ranked team and the second ranked team on opposite sides of the bracket so they can meet in the, in the state final. That's not their goal. That's not what they do. That's not part of the criteria. Every year, there's one game or, or, or two teams that end up on the same side of the bracket, and, and you, you get complaints of people about why is this going to be a level three matchup or why is this going to be a level four matchup instead of at state. These are the two best teams. They should, you know, they should be separated. Well, that's not what the criteria says. That's not what the WIA's goal with their playoff structure is. It's not to try to rank all of these teams in, in some kind of order and get, you know, on paper, in theory, the two best teams to the state finals. And, and by the way, that doesn't always work out that way anyways. There's been a number of times where people have said, oh, these are the two best teams. They're playing for the state championship in level three, level four. And then they get to the state final and the, a team on the other bracket ends up winning. So that does happen. Um, it's, it's not guaranteed that you know, what you think are the two best teams are actually the two best teams. That's why we have a tournament to decide who the best teams are. Uh, so geographical groupings and, and the importance of conference champions and, and balancing the geography aspect with the conference champions aspect. Sometimes it's not perfect. Sometimes there are three conference champions in one grouping and one in another just because of how the geography worked. It's difficult to try to send you know, a school from Milwaukee area, suburban Milwaukee maybe, all the way up to the north, northern part of the state where they might be playing the Superiors and Hudsons and Ashlands of the world in a, you know, level one, level two game 
just to balance out the conference champions. So it all has to be taken into account. And certainly, again, there's subject subjectivity there, but that's that's the case. So that's all done on Friday night. And then Saturday, all eight coaches from each grouping go to a seeding meeting where they actually seed the eight teams. Now, if you were identified as a conference champion, if you were identified as an unbeaten conference champion, that doesn't carry any weight in the actual seeding itself. You're not guaranteed to get a one seed. You could be a conference champion and get a six or seven seed, depending on how the coaches vote. It is a coach's vote. It, it's something that was changed four or five years ago. It used to be a uh, the, the WI using criteria seeded one through four and then matched up the rest of the matchups geographically. The coaches said, we want to do this. We want to be able to seed teams. They took control of it. There's been some complaints, but uh, ultimately it's in the coaches' hands now. Everybody goes there. They have a sheet that they put together, uh, their season summary, their games played, all that good stuff. Every coach that attends gets three minutes to present their case of, of what their season is, why they think they should be where, um, and then they vote. The WI does give uh, factors that they think coaches should consider, but ultimately the coaches can vote however they want. If they want to vote who most people would think is the best team third or fourth, they can do that. That's kind of on each coach to, to be ethical and, and have integrity and do it the right way. Uh, there have been times, certainly, where there have been games played in the seeding process, um, but that's nothing new. That happens in baseball, that happens in softball, that happens in basketball, happens in volleyball. Uh, you just hope that everybody goes into it with a uh, the right mindset of figuring out the best seeds and not trying to manipulate the voting into getting a better seed for themselves or a better matchup for themselves. Um, but again, it comes down to the coaches themselves seeding it. So they seed one through eight. There is an appeal process. If you got a four seed and you think you should have been the three, there's an appeal process you can go through. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Uh, long story short, Everything gets voted on, everything gets seated, and then the matchups get set from there. <coughs> Excuse me. As a, uh, a note and as a, um, a heads up, we will be doing a number of things on social media and uh, in everything else on that final Friday night of the high school football season. You can follow along all the updates that we're doing there. And again, we will be doing a Facebook Live event on the Wisports.net Facebook page. It was very popular last year, first time we did it. Uh, basically, me in my home office streaming <laughs> streaming me as I go through and figure out all the tiebreakers and work through the procedures of the, uh, the qualifications and, and get that information out as soon as we possibly can. It'll depend on how many tiebreakers I have to go through uh, and also how soon all final scores come in to determine when exactly that will be. But expect that we will start the live stream at about 9 o'clock and go from there. I think last year we went until midnight or one o'clock, um, even once the pairings came out or after the, uh, the qualifiers came out, we kind of waited around and had some discussions. Folks asked some questions, um, waited for the WI's official playoff uh, field to come out. And by the way, I had to correct them on one of the errors that they had on the initial qualifying field. Hopefully I don't have to do that again. And hopefully fingers crossed, knock on wood, hopefully I don't make any mistakes when I'm figuring out my 
playoff qualifiers. I've been right every year. We've been right on WSN every year for 10 or 12 years, um, and hopefully that continues. But again, knock on wood that there's not an incorrect uh, score entry or something like that on Friday night. So look for that Facebook Live event. We'll be getting more information out over the next week and a half here, uh, but it should be a really fun night. We told you that we would have a special giveaway. A Joe Schobert autographed mini helmet, Wisconsin Badgers mini helmet, autographed by Joe Schobert. Uh, we'll do a giveaway of that. So how do you get in? How do you enter? It's very easy. All you have to do is retweet the post from my account, at TravisWSN or at WISSportsNet, our WSN account, when we post the audio, the link to our podcast, just retweet it. That's all you got to do. No sign up, no collecting your personal information, none of that. Retweet when we post the podcast link and you get in. We'll pick somebody that, uh, that retweets, give them a autographed Joe Schobert mini helmet, and uh, pretty easy. So make sure you take care of that. Now, there are a few other things related to the playoffs that I, I wanted to get to quickly. Number one, uh, a big one that is on a lot of people's minds is the cut lines. Where am I going to fall in each, in, in a division? Um, you know, if you're a team that's right on that cut line, there's a big difference between being the biggest school in a division and being the smallest school in the next division up. Everybody wants to be the biggest school. I've already gotten emails from a number of coaches hey, who do I want to root for if I want to end up in, in the smaller division? What are the games to watch for? Here are some teams to watch, some bubble teams, some bigger teams, that if they get in, will push the cut lines down for every other division. There's a lot of games that could potentially impact the cut lines, but these are some uh, of particular interest over the next couple weeks. Kenosha-Bradford, they've got a big one this week on Thursday against Kenosha-Indian Trail. Uh, we've got them in the playoffs as one of the last qualifiers using the tiebreaker procedure. Same thing with Union Grove. We've got them in under the tiebreaker procedure. Whitefish Bay, Baraboo and Milton. By the way, Baraboo and Milton are the two teams that we had finishing three and four and not making it in based on the tiebreaker procedures. But if Baraboo beats uh, Reedsburg in week nine, that's the big one to watch. Uh, essentially, that is a play-in game for the playoffs. And the loser then might have to sweat out the uh, the tiebreaker criteria. Milton, again, we had them going three and four and narrowly missing on the tiebreakers. Other teams that could cause some trouble if they, pull, if they pull some upsets along the way. We have them out right now, but if they win, they could win their way in. D.C. Everest and Stevens Point out of the VFA West. Both, I think, are unlikely. Both have some very difficult games. D.C. Everest has to play at Marshfield this week. Stevens Point closes against Fond du Lac. Germantown and Greenfield, again, bigger teams that are on that playoff bubble. We have, I think, we have both of them out. Uh, I'd have to double check. But either way, if, if there's some winnable games for both those teams, that if they get the wins, they could uh, you know, readjust the cut lines. They would also readjust how many teams under 500 get into the playoffs potentially. But those are some games to watch, and we'll have a better idea after week eight. In fact, in our week nine preview, we'll really break it down, every scenario for the playoffs, every team that's still alive in every conference. It'll be a big conference-by-conference uh, conference look, basically, who's clinched, who's eliminated, and who's on the bubble. What do they need to do to get in? So keep an eye out for that. 
we have to look, I think, at least briefly at this week in this week's games on the schedule because there are some huge games in week eight, big time games, perhaps one of the deepest set of games that we've had all year. And it starts with the game of the week that we chose. It was a tough uh, process to narrow it down. There was four or five others at least that were were good enough quality to be game of the week. But I went with Martin Luther and Racine St. Catharines, two teams that are undefeated, ranked in the top five of Division IV, averaging each of them 51 points a game, and probably the two most dynamic offensive weapons in the state right now, Martin Luther running back Darius Crowley-Reed has 30 touchdowns rushing on just 90 carries through seven games. He averages 17.7 yards per rush attempt. He's also caught two touchdowns. He's thrown for another, plays full-time in defense, and has two or three return, kick return touchdowns as well. Racine St. Catharines counters with quarterback Deshaun Brown. He was suspended for a game and a half earlier this year. We talked about that last week. He's already thrown, though, 15 touchdowns and rushed for 13. And there are a number of other offensive weapons around each of them that really make this an interesting, compelling game for a number of reasons. Other games that were are very good on the schedule. We're seeing Horlick and Franklin. Franklin's unbeaten. Can Horlick knock them off and get into the conference title discussion? Muskego and Waukesha West. Sun Prairie and Middleton in the Big 8. Sun Prairie's trying to remain in contention for a Big 8 title. Fenimore and Mineral Point, both ranked in the top five of Division Six. Fenimore's unbeaten. Mineral Point's only loss was to Lake Country Lutheran, but an outstanding game, a couple high-powered passing attacks in the small schools. Speaking of small schools, Cedar Grove, Belgium, and Hilbert, two unbeaten teams in the Big East Conference, the league title essentially on the line in that one. Green Bay uh, Preble and Pulaski both have one loss, trying to keep pace with Bayport, see if they can get into the discussion, or at least position themselves well for a playoff spot and in a seating in the playoffs in a few weeks. Rice Lake and Menominee. That Big Rivers race is still wide open. There's three teams with one loss. Rice Lake has two losses, but they still can pose some problems for Menominee. In what was perhaps the uh, runner-up for game of the week, and by the way, I didn't mention uh, the Nina and Fond du Lac game when I was talking about some of the Fox Valley games. That's a huge one, obviously. Uh, Nina's got the one loss to Kimberly. Fond du Lac's undefeated, but that's a big-time game. But what probably was the runner-up this week was actually Regis and Spencer Columbus Catholic. Both teams are ranked third in the respective divisions. Regis in D6, Spencer Columbus Catholic in D5. Cloverbelt title on the line in this one. Two tough, physical football teams that like to run the football. It's going to be three yards and a cloud of dust over and over. <laughs> uh, Spencer Columbus Catholic has one of the best offensive lines in the state. Um, one coach told me the, the best offensive line he's ever seen in the Cloverbelt Conference. Regis is always very strong, always finds a way with that, uh, that offense that they run, very difficult to prepare for and stop. So that is an outstanding game as well. As a reminder, if you're just tuning in, for some reason you skipped ahead to this point, if you want to get in on the Joe Schobert giveaway of a mini uh, helmet autographed by Joe Schobert, all you got to do is retweet when we post this link for our podcast from our WSN Twitter account or my Twitter account. Our stat of the week, 15. That's the number of teams that I project will be under 500 in conference play and get in the playoffs. That would be the most that we have ever had. But as we get fewer and fewer teams, there's a couple less teams every year in 11-man football, we're going to get more teams that are under 500 that qualify for the playoffs. And 
whether that's good or bad or indifferent or whether that calls for reducing the playoff field is a whole different discussion. That'll, I'll save that for my rant of the week some, uh, some week. Maybe I did it already. I can't even remember. Um, but 15 teams, what I project, will be under 500 and get in the playoffs. That number might vary a little bit here or there, depending on some upsets that might get pulled the next couple weeks. But it should be, no matter what the number is, it should be the most that we've ever had. Speaking of the playoffs, not going to pull out the Jim Mora soundbite on this one, but um, there are always complaints about the playoffs, oftentimes around, well, why did I get seeded this way? Why, why am I a three seed? Why is my favorite team a three seed? They should have been a one. But oftentimes the biggest complaints come regarding what we talked about was a subjective process of splitting up the groupings and how those groupings are determined. This group's so much stronger. This is the group of death. This is uh, the, the state champion is in this one. The, the, the two best teams are in this one. Five of the best teams in the state are in this one. This other group is no good. Often, usually you hear it from fans and followers. You, know, you don't often hear it too much from coaches, but every once in a while you will. You know, players get into it a little bit too, but a lot of times it's from fans and, and supporters. And I just... I. I kind of get sick of it every year, to be quite honest with you. As, as I said uh, earlier, you know, there's, there's been many times where people have said, oh, the, the two best teams are meeting in this game, and the, this is the state championship. Why isn't this held at Madison? And then neither one ends up winning a state championship. So just let it play out. You know, everybody wants things perfect. Everybody wants things their way. When it comes to travel, everybody's willing to travel as far as they have to if they feel like they can win. If they feel like they've got a better chance to get out of their regional grouping, they'll go as far as they have to. But if they've got a tougher go of it, if maybe they would be a five seed in this group and a three seed over on the other group, potentially, oh, well, the travel is so bad. What We, ha- we can't travel this far. It's, it's unsafe. And uh, why do we have to go, you know, an hour and a half for a football game. And just like conference realignment, it all comes down to what's best for, for each individual situation. Everybody wants it uh, the best way. Everybody wants their cake and to eat it too. Um, everybody wants the shortest travel and the easiest path, easiest road, easiest uh, path of least resistance. And if they have to travel to win, they will. If they uh, don't have to travel, but it's still a tough grouping, they'll complain about that too. So just sit back and enjoy the ride. If you really do want to complain, we will put out our annual screwed over form that is pre-filled in with different selections that you can fill out. That's always a good for a good chuckle uh, from, from folks. Uh, we'll put that out next week. So if you really got a complaint, you can fill it out and, and send it in and... Uh, yeah, it, it's fun. But it is a fun time of the year, that is for sure, with the high school football playoffs beginning, with all of the fall sports transitioning into or already into their postseason play as well. Uh, so get out, as I say, get out and support, get out and see some games. The playoffs are real fun in that sometimes you get a chance to see games in your area or in your town against teams that usually you would not see, that uh, sometimes are you know, from a ways away. So that's always fun. So get out and and find a game. Follow along on wisports.net the next couple weeks and throughout the season, there's going to be all kinds of information coming out. 
Follow along on our Facebook live event that we'll do on WSN, on the WSN Facebook page next Friday, the final week, the final Friday of the high school football season. It's going to be a fun ride. Hope you're along with it. Thanks for joining us today on the WISports.net podcast. I'm Travis Wilson, General Manager at WISports. We'll see you next time.